It's the biggest story in sports. Lionel Messi is actually, officially, and tearfully leaving Barcelona and heading to Paris. Will his time at PSG impact plans of a potential future in Major League Soccer? Speaking of signings, Chelsea on the verge of landing another attacking superstar. Will Romelu Lukaku's arrival at Stamford Bridge mean boomer bust for Christian Pulisic? and his fellow Blues. Plus, Mexico takes bronze in and against Japan. Was El Tri's Olympic outfit better than its Gold Cup team? We'll debate that and much more starting now on Football Americas. Please welcome to the pitch, the New York Red Bulls and your Chicago Fire. Por favor, denle la bienvenida al terreno de juego al New York Red Bulls and to Chicago Fire. Hercules Gomez, Sebi Salazar with you for another edition of Football Americas here on ESPN+. Plus. Herc, how about our girl Elena right there of the Chicago Fire Kids Club? Dude, her Spanish is better than mine. She's taller than me. Is she coming for my job? <laughs> you better watch out. You know it. <laughs> All right, well, you got to deal with me through uh, at least another edition of the show. We will be talking about plenty here on Football Americas. Uh, Mexican Olympic team, of course, winning bronze at the Olympics in Japan over the weekend. Plenty of time to celebrate that. Plus, through gritted teeth, Herc, we'll have to do Major League Soccer's good, bad, and ugly this week because Inter-Miami have somehow found themselves into the good category. I know that's going to cost you a lot. Of course, you can listen to the edition of today's show on podcasts, or you can tell your friends if they don't have ESPN Plus to download the podcast right there in your ESPN FC feed. All right, Herc, I don't think there's anywhere else we can start the show today than with the uh, biggest news in the whole freaking world. Lionel Messi is leaving Barcelona and leaving to join PSG on a reported two-year deal, Herc. This despite the fact that Messi agreed to a 50% wage cut. Still not enough for him to be registered with La Liga. Of course, we know all about their strict salary limitations. These images from Sunday, Messi's farewell press conference at Barcelona, where he ended a 20-year relationship with the club. Obviously, tons of emotions there, Herc. Let's attack this from an emotional standpoint first, because I think there are kind of two camps when it comes down to this thing. Uh, forget if you're a Barcelona fan. Mm -hmm. Forget if you're a PSG Try fan. Right? Forget. You're just a lover of the game. Did you want to see Messi play out the entirety of his career at Barcelona because you're a romantic, or is there some part of you that's excited to see Messi try out his skills in a league other than La Liga? There's a huge part of me that's excited to see Messi mm -hmm. elsewhere that's not Barcelona, especially this version of Barcelona, almost a I-will-hold-you-back-Messi version of Barcelona. I want to see Messi compete at the highest levels. I want to see Messi playing Champions League finals. I want to see Messi playing World Cup finals. I don't what want to see him struggling with Barcelona? Barcelona. That's not world football today. Very rarely do you see the Maldinis, or in this case, what would have been a Messi with, what is he, 20 plus one year, 21 mm -hmm. years in the same club, finish out their career where they started. Very romantic story. Signed his first contract on a napkin. That type of deal was there from his infancy. Very rarely do you see these things play out this way. By the way, the way it played out, Hollywood ask, are you telling me that he was forced out, wanted to take a 50% pay cut mm. with his club to finish it out, and he still couldn't stay there? I want to see it. I want to see it because we see it in other sports, these forming of super teams, right? We see it in basketball all the time, the big three. We've seen it now in you know, American football, in the NFL. You know, Tom Brady goes to Tampa and who he brings with them. We've seen it all the time. It's happening. And we're starting to see it in soccer. We're starting to see it with City. We're starting to see it with PSG. Well, this is another layer to that. Next year, Champions League is going to be insane. You have what's going on in PSG. You have what's going on in City and their signings. And by the way, the Champions League winners, they just got Lukaku. So, yeah, right. it's going to be massive. Nah, forget about you and what you want. What about what Lionel Messi wants, dude? How can you be happy about going to see him at PSG? If this was last summer and he wanted out of Barcelona, I might agree with you. But the fact that he, like, watching Lionel Messi cry at a podium that he doesn't want to yeah. leave, I don't want any part of this. Like, I do feel PSG is going to be appointment viewing from here on out. But I, I'm, I'm going to feel cringe every time that I see him in a PSG shirt, knowing that at the end of the day, he really didn't want to be there. What about, though, Herc, from an MLS perspective? The deal that he's signing with PSG is two years, 
plus a third year option, right? So that would keep him in Europe until he was 37. Do you think it makes this move makes it more or less likely that we'll eventually see him in Major League Soccer? More. More, because Barcelona probably would have been contingent on him playing out his career there, being an ambassador. Who knows what would happen next? Now PSG, it's two years with an option. He may not even finish those two years. We could see him in Major League Soccer rather sooner than no, later. Right. <laughs> and also, Seb, we've seen... there's. It, when there's water, you know, running, when, there, when there's fire or there's smoke, there's fire type of deals mm -hmm. going on. We've already seen The Athletic come out, and they've said that there's talks of, of Lionel Messi coming to Major League Soccer. His dad, Jorge Messi, was actually in Las Vegas where Don Garber was, where Mayor Carolyn uh, Goodman was, uh, talking about, who knows what, a rumored Inter-Miami or Las Vegas potential um, a franchise in Las Vegas for Major League Soccer with Messi involved in some sort of ownership clause. It just makes sense. If David Beckham was a parting of the waters, a watershed moment, Messi would blow that away. Lionel Messi isn't one of the most famous people in the world. He's the best footballer to ever play the game. Don't let any of these boomers make you feel inadequate about saying this. Lionel <laughs> Messi can do things that no other footballer has ever done on earth. He will be a moment that transcends Major League Soccer. And quite frankly, we talk about these evaluations for Major League Soccer clubs. Imagine the moment Messi yeah. signs on that dotted line. I think it's less likely. I think it's less likely just because he, I almost feel like at some point, and maybe this is my romanticism with the whole Barcelona thing, I feel like now, and he said, well, no, this is why I said, he said it in the press conference. He's going to come back to Barcelona. I feel like the story there is not done. If he's got to go back he to Barcelona. Said what capacity? Okay, fair enough. But if he does go back to Barcelona, that pushes his timetable even further. And obviously, Lionel Messi is a player who, if at 37, 47, he could come to MLS and be productive. But we got to ask, will he actually want to come to MLS at 37? He's already right? said That's, it. He's already said at it. 37, Hurt. Hold on. At 37. Hold on, You're trying to tell me You've that been he's retired come back for five to years at 37. He himself has stated that Major League Soccer are in his plans. The American mm. market is in his plans. So why are we now all of a sudden going to take him against his word? What, because he's a few years older, because he wants to come back to Barcelona, and, and unrelated, we don't know what type of role, I think he'll come back in management. Whether that's on the field or off the field, administrative role, however you want it, he'll be back at Barcelona in some way. But it just makes sense. Major League Soccer and Messi just makes sense. And if it happens, watch out. Because I know you love these evaluations. I know you love seeing these Major League Soccer teams mm -hmm. tout out how much they think they're worth. Wait till Messi signs. Quick work on the uh, reporting from The Athletic. They did say that there were meetings between Jorge Messi and Don Garber in Las Vegas. They made it sound like it was kind of either Vegas potential expansion or Miami. That's one of the reasons why we always dog into Miami on this show. Because if they were up to speed, if they were ready, maybe they and not PSG would have been able to swoop in and take advantage At least of this they Barcelona try. disaster. I give them some credit we'll for see. trying. We'll see. We'll see. All right, let's uh, keep focusing on Barcelona because they did have their first game of the like now official post Lionel Messi era over the weekend. The Joan Gamper Trophy, their annual preseason affair, took on Juventus. A 3-0 win for Barcelona. Serginho Desk got the start. Hurricane played, uh, what, 62 minutes replaced by Emerson. Uh, let's focus on Serginho Des' on-field role and how it may be impacted by this Messi departure. Does Messi leaving this team mean that we'll see a more offensive or defensive Serginho Des? That's a great question. Season? I thought about this, right? Because in Barcelona's best system, best version last year, we saw a three-center-back three system with Serginho Des as a wing-back. And Lionel Messi playing in that free role almost carried over the right-hand side, combining a lot with what ended up being Serginho Des. So, yeah, a lot of offense there. But now we're going to see, what, a four-man back line like we saw in this game. It'll mm -hmm. probably be uh, Alba on one end and, and Serginho Des on the other. If he can keep Emerson at bay or Sergi Roberto in a pinch, you think that would be his position. But I don't know. It, it's a lot different when defenders are occupied by a Lionel Messi then I say this all due respect to uh, Antoine Griezmann. When it's Griezmann or maybe a nine, and we don't know who would play in that nine role, whether it's Barth Wright or whether it be a, a Memphis-type player there, it's a lot different when you've got the best player of all time on the field and he garners that attention. You can play a much more free role even if you're a wingback. So I kind of think we're going to see a much more reserved Serginho Dest. Mm. At least right now, unless Barca is going to do something that we don't know with Dembele and Coutinho and maybe Griezmann and Memphis, unless they're going to deploy Kun Aguero when he's healthy in some sort of manner that's going to make us think it could be ultra-offensive, I don't see Serginho Dest having that liberty. 
my first thought was logically he would have to have a more advanced, a more attacking role because you're losing such firepower from losing Lionel Messi that other people are going to have to step up. But when I see him line up, and, and as you described, the, the four across the back, they went 4-2-3-1 in this yeah. game against Juventus. Um, I see Sergino Dest there as the right back. And the two players that are covering that back four, by the way, which is a back four that needs a lot of help, are Busquets in this game. Well, Busquets and Sergi Roberto. Ooh. So you don't really have cover for that back no. four. You can't really let Dest go forward. And this worries me for Sergio Dest because we've talked about it time and time and time again on this show. He's he is not in his best position as the right back in a back four. He's definitely much better, certainly at a level of a Barcelona, playing as a wing back in a back five. Maybe, maybe Ronald Koeman doesn't feel like he's got that freedom now that he doesn't have Lionel Messi in the lineup. Though I would think not having Messi would actually open up some more options um, for the Dutch manager. As far as Sergio Dest's dress, though, is concerned, <laughs> Herc, we have to get into this. Okay, a Sergio Dest edition of Drippin' or Trippin'. Because Sunday was like one of the biggest days in soccer history. And here's how our man Sergio Dest dressed for Lionel Messi's farewell press conference. Herc, is it Drippin' or is it Trippin'? It's definitely dripping, but let's cut my man some slack here. Obviously, these players had no idea this was going to happen or they wouldn't show up just the way they show up to training. People think just because you're a footballer and just because these guys make millions that they show up wearing this ridiculous type of, you know, clothing, like they're on a runway or there's some sort of model. No, these guys want to go comfortable. They want to go in shorts. Look at those. Are those jorts? Like, let's not make this a fashion, you know, a statement here. He's tripping because I don't know what he's doing. Is it homage? Is it, is it like, is he trying to pay respects to the GOAT? You know, like, That's I, what oh, Michael Jordan was. out there? I was going to get him dripping because, so you can't, <laughs> it, it looks like a, a replica 1990s Bulls uniform, right? Right, right down to like the, the high cut shorts. It's actually not, a, it says something else, but it, and it's not number 23 like Jordan, it's, it's number not. 20. But, but I did think it was kind of like a, an, an under the table GOAT reference shouting out Lionel Messi. So I'm going to give him, you say tripping man, I'm going to give him dripping because I think it was meta. I think he was doing some stuff on it, levels it was there, Serginho. It was what? It was meta. It was meta. You didn't get it, but, but other people got it. It was a shout out to the GOAT, to the greatest of all time. All right, so we won't see Messi. We won't see the real greatest of all time in the La Liga lid lifter on Sunday for Barcelona against Real Sociedad. We will probably see Serginho Des again that match on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and of course on ESPN Plus. All right, let's change gears. From Spain, we go to England. Community Shield over the weekend. Herc featuring the Premier League champs, Manchester City against the FA Cup champs, Leicester City. Leicester City, your one nothing winners in this game. Zach Steffen got the starting goal for City. Herc, he had a huge, I mean huge, monstrous, incredible save on Jamie Vardy in the first half, but he was beaten in the Here it 89th is. minute uh, oh. on a penalty. He actually came really close to saving the penalty uh, as well. I guess the question here, Herc, when you talk about Steffen at Manchester City, is a great performance, but when is his next performance uh, going to be? Herc, are you cool with another season at number two for the U.S. number one? This amid plenty of rumors of a potential loan to another Premier League team where he might have a shot at the number one job. All right, so in boxing, in UFC, MMA, ring rust is a real thing. If you're not active, if you're not fighting, it's going to affect you for when you do fight. This is true as well in football, but not so much in the goalkeeper position for me. And Zach Steffen, you saw the saves he made. He was massive. The one where he's coming across his body where Jamie Vardy hits it back the same direction the keeper is coming from. Such a difficult mm. save. The reaction time, be able to get that foot off and deflect, then off the post and then the second one. Brilliant save. Especially when you have Ethan Horvat and his performance in the Nations League final, CONCACAF Nations League final, and Matt Turner breathing down your neck you perform this way. I don't have a problem with him being the number two because of where mm. he's at, because of who he's learning from, because of the position. Uh, and by the way, I welcome the competition at the goalkeeper position. In the US men's national team history, they've been at their best when it's been competitive. I think only one era, the Tim Howard era, has it not been competitive at the goalkeeper position. So I don't have a problem with competition. I don't have a problem with him not being the number one starter because I think he's going to get quality reps where he's at. And he's shown it. I mean, he was on vacation for how long? Preseason game, about to start, and you play and you have a lights out performance like that. Almost got the save in that penalty. I have no issue with this. I know many do. I also welcome the competition. I think the program's better for it.
So the next World Cup qualifier for the U.S. is September 2nd, Herc. We know what games are Zach Steffens, right? We know it's FA Cup. We know it's League Cup. There are no FA Cup games before September 2nd. There are no League Cup games before September 2nd. So there's not really an obvious opportunity for Zach Steffen to play. Are you telling me you wouldn't be even a little bit nervous if that September 2nd World Cup qualifier comes and he's played literally this one game in what? three months yeah not for the keeper position any other position i think i'd be a little more nervous a lot more nervous but the keeper position not really i think he's getting Mm. quality reps i think he's sharpening the iron with quality people i honestly think it's a very good program a very good coach for him to learn from i don't have an issue with this now if it ended up being his whole career this was the the situation yeah okay maybe but no no i'm fine with this right now josh Sargent, herc he didn't play in the German Cup. Why? Well, that's the interesting part. A deal was in place for Sargent to move to Norwich City. It has since uh, become official. He'll be moving to the Premier League on a four-year deal. Now, our Derek Ray reported that there was some unhappiness at Werder Bremen over Sargent's decision not to play this weekend with the uh, deal in its final stages. The Werder Bremen sporting director said, quote, there was big disappointment as we had all been counting on Josh. Herc, who's in the wrong here? Josh Sargent or Werder Bremen? Why is Josh Sargent taking so much? What was the transfer fee, by the way? What was it? $13 million? $13 million. When a player is about to be transferred, the club, the club that's going to do the selling, usually tells this player, you're not playing. We want right. to put you in a bow. We want to put you in a box. We want to send you. We want to put you in whatever we can to protect you so you're not injured so we can finalize this out and get our money. Could you imagine he plays this game and I don't know. God forbid. Tears his ACL. There mm-hmm. goes the transfer because they wanted to use him in this cup game. Are, are, is this seriously where we want to go with Josh Sargent? Is he really taking the brunt of the heat right now because he didn't want to play in a game with a team that he was no longer going to be a part of and risk injury for a future transfer to the Premier League? Is this really what he's getting heat about? I can't believe the team would publicly come out and say this. Take your money. He owes you nothing. You know, in fact, what he owes you, it's that check right there that you're taking. It's those $13 million. Take that some gratitude. Don't say, hey, he should be happy with the opportunity we gave him. He owes us what? No, he owes you nothing. I'm surprised Virto Bremen left this decision in Josh Sargent's hands because it, it kind of feels like they did. They're saying, hey, he came to us, said he wouldn't be able to give us a performance. Wouldn't they want to protect themselves, as you say, from potentially losing out um, a huge deal? Again, it just went official today, the deal. So we know it wasn't done over the weekend when he would have been playing um, in this German Cup game. Derek Ray, who's the one that reported this um, and, and kind of translated it from German reporting, points out that the German Cup is very important to clubs like Werder Bremen, but surely <laughs> um, it's not more important than, than something like 10 million euros, which could help you rebuild your team and get back um, into the Bundesliga. Let me ask you this real quick, because we haven't really talked about Norwich as, as the landing spot. You like it? It's a Premier League move for Josh Sargent. Great league. Great league, right? Uh, but they're probably candidates to be relegated as well. And in the remarks that I've seen about Josh Sargent joining Norwich, they mentioned him playing on the wing, which is not where I want to see Josh Sargent. I want to see him centrally. He's 20 years old. I still think, I think he's grown so much in Germany tactically. But the next level is consistently playing as that nine, consistently scoring goals. And if you could do that at the Premier League level, trust me, you're going to have a place in Greg Berhalter's system. But if you're out wide, if you're getting pushed, if you're in a team that's just fighting to stay afloat, if you're in a team with not a very good tactical brand, what good is that going to do Josh Sargent? So a lot of unknowns with Josh Sargent and his Premier League move, but I love that it's the Premier League and I love that it's screaming the crop right now and he's going to test himself. I know what you're saying about Norwich. I kind of like how they play. I think you might be pleasantly surprised of okay. uh, what Josh Sargent can do uh, in that attack if it does get going in the Premier League. Speaking of number nines moving to the Premier League, Romelu Lukaku set for a move from Inter Milan to Chelsea. This leads us to the latest edition, Herc, of a segment I know you love here on the show. But what does it mean for Christian <laughs> Pulisic? So, Herc, uh, what does this mean? Is it a good thing or a bad thing for the young American that Chelsea is adding Lukaku? Can it be a little bit of both? Well, let me tell you why. It well, could why be a would bad it be thing. bad? Why would it be a bad thing? I don't see any reason why. It'd be no? Bad. Okay. No. Who's been playing? That number nine position. You have Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. So if okay. they're not playing that number nine position, because it's obviously going to be Lukaku, well, where do they go? Those two interior positions, that double ten position that they like to deploy, those interior players underneath that nine. And that could be easily Timo Werner and Kai Havertz. You know who's in that rotation? Ziyech. You know who else was in that rotation? Mason Mount. You know who else? Christian 
Pulisic. Now, in the crack podcast that uh, Demarcus Beasley and my buddy Guchan Wayu do, he was there, and he was talking about how their last game, preseason game against Arsenal, they actually played him as a wingback. You know, a little bit of that is circumstantial because they wanted to get as many of their first choice players onto the field as possible. But if you're pushing a guy who's wearing the number 10 jersey automatically out as a wingback, what do you think is going to happen when you put Lukaku into that equation and then you have to drop Kai Havertz, who, by the way, very good player. Timo Werner, who you can say this guy couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, but creates things. Every time he's on the field, things seem to happen. Well, Mason Mount, he's going to be there. Well, what about Ziyech? I mean, he's been in and out. What about Christian? It just gets crowded. Mm. And, and sooner rather than later, this is the deal for Christian Poliski. He's going to have to keep proving himself, but you're adding more to the equation. But here's the good thing. Now, what he does so well is transition. What he does so well is being a dynamic player. Lukaku led Serie A in goal scored and assist. And the way they interplayed, the way they exploded, that dynamic transition game when they had the ball with Lautaro Martinez, that could easily Christian Pulisic, it could be Mason Mount, but he could benefit from that, how fast they can break. So yes, I also like this, but it does get more crowded. All right, fair enough. So I, I believe this is worse for Timo Werner than it is for Christian Pulisic. I think when you see <sighs> Lukaku cool, coming man. in at that number nine, I, I don't see Werner sticking around. And we know Chelsea's the club that no matter how much money they it's put true. into you, they will cut ties quick. If you take Timo Werner out of that team, I think that opens up some options and some more playing time for Christian Pulisic. The other reason I would say it's good, Herc, is stats matter, right? Like, he's going to get a lot more assists serving it into a guy like Lukaku. I think this is perfect for him. The other question I would have is, has Christian Pulisic ever played with a number nine of this quality? That's got to boost his game. Even going back to the Dortmund days, he's never had a, Lu a player like of Lukaku's level. Certainly not this Lukaku coming back from Inter Milan. Uh, I don't have to go back and look at the nines he's played with, but this version, of Lukaku, Lukaku. This version yeah. of Lukaku is one of the best nines in the world, so I'm not going to argue with you there. Timo Werner still has to be sold that that's what realistic is going to happen. And Christian Pulisic still has to get on the field. That's been an issue with Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel seems to really like Timo Werner and what he provides. He seems to feel he can leave Christian Pulisic out and it's okay and nothing will happen. Hmm. That is my worry for him. But listen, anytime you introduce a quality player like Lukaku into the equation, everybody's better for it. Big news for Christian Pulisic off the pitch, Herc. After a long endorsement relationship with Nike, he is switching Brands signing a long-term deal with Puma. Good move, Herc? I don't know, but it's a game changer. This is the face of U.S. soccer, and U.S. soccer was Nike, and now he's going to Puma? I mean, Landon Donovan was synonymous with the Vapors, and when I was growing up, American kids wanted to wear Nikes because of Landon Donovan. Now Christian Pulisic, wow, he's taking that away. He's going to Puma. It's great for Puma. I'll tell you who it's not great for. Nike, they're missing a big one. They're missing a big star letting them get away. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. The second time in the last three Olympic tournaments on the men's side, Mexico are on the podium. They'll settle for bronze this time after beating Japan 3-1 on Friday morning. Sebastián Córdoba, Alexis Vega, Johan Vázquez, your goal scores from Mexico in the victory over the hosts. It's obviously a great performance, Herc, and in the shadow of Mexico's Gold Cup final defeat to the U.S., it has raised the question, did Mexico actually send the better team to Tokyo and not the Gold Cup? What do you think? I can't believe this is really a debate. <laughs> <laughs> Why? 
You think it's obvious that it's the Gold Cup or obvious that it's the Olympics? It's obvious it's the Gold Cup team. I want to ask you a question, Sebastian. Be as impartial as you can be. Mm -hmm. Out of this Olympic squad, how many under Tata Martino are realistic starters? So pre, this is kind of like Gold Cup with the U.S. to me. Pre-tournament, a much smaller number than post-tournament. I think post-tournament, there's quite a few players that could One. be very valuable well, you to asked Mexico two, starting You asked 11. who sent the strongest team. So going into the tournament without knowing the outcome. Okay. So one, who is that player? Memo Ochoa. Right? The other two reinforcements, yeah. Luis, Luis Romo, I believe he's got like 10 caps with the national team. And Henry Martin wasn't exactly lining up. You know, the scoreboard for the Mexican national team or else Rogelio Funes Mori wouldn't be in the picture. So it's Memo Ochoa. The rest of these players are playing in a U23 with three overage players tournament. A tournament that's not sanctioned by FIFA so these clubs don't let their players who could potentially play in this tournament go. So it's not exactly the best representation of what each country's level could be great accomplishment it's an olympic gold medal or sorry olympic bronze medal and especially for mexico because you know how many medals mexico has or had this olympics four how total many? four bronze medals total okay so it's a good achievement for them a great achievement especially for these players but let's not go selling people this dream or this false sense of reality that this team is better than the gold cup team because if you look the front three Okay, that were so dynamic, so good. Doesn't matter who you include, whether it's Linus, whether it's Antuna, Alexis Vega, Henry Martin. Not going to play over Rogelio Funes Mori. Not going to play over Tecatito. Like, there's so many different places we can go with this where it's just man per man before the tournament even started. You can say what you want about the stock being up now, but that doesn't matter because it's who you sent and why you mm -hmm. sent them. So, no, the Gold Cup team is the better team. Uh, they may not be better on paper, but the Mexican team at the Olympics definitely played better than the team at the Gold Cup. Against and definitely 23 teams. And definitely, oh, okay, fair enough. If you want to bring up the level of competition, do you know who plays in the Gold Cup? Yes, I do. Yes, I, I mean, do. I mean, don't be ridiculous. And the, the A-team struggled with that. The, the difference between you just, the, you best, said the best U23 teams in the world and some of the, the cannon fodder that is in the group phase at a Gold Cup is not that much. That and, should tell, and I you gotta tell you something. And I got to tell you, the, the Mexican team in the Olympics did not look like a Mexican team because they were finishing. They scored 17 goals, Herc, in six games. Mexico is a world team. power in underage tournaments. I don't know. I agree with you. Then let me finish for once in your life. Okay, finish. The Gold Cup team scored nine goals. The Gold Cup team scored nine goals. So if we, do, if we just want to go off performance, if we want to go off how they look, I don't think it's much of a debate. The Olympic team did look much better, which brings me to the, the guy in charge, Jimmy Lozano. Okay. And what's next for him? If there's anybody who gets momentum coming out of this tournament, aside from the players, and we'll talk about them in just a bit, it's got to be the manager. Does he have a big position coming to him next? I hope, I hope so, because Mexico needs to refresh themselves with, a, with, a, with these young coaches. They don't give mm. these coaches a chance. It's the same coaches, the same deck being deployed over and over and over again. It's the same ideas. You need fresh ideas, and Jimmy Lozano could be that. But look at his is last he ready? job. Is he ready for Europe? Is he ready for Europe, or does he need to go back to Liga Mekis and prove himself more? I, I'm not of the school that you need to prove yourself in Liga Mekis to then go to Europe. Go to Europe huh. if you can go to Europe, but look at his last job in Querétaro. They were last place in league play when he was let go. And I would caution also with these youth team coaches that have had success, like Jesus Ramirez, who won the first U-17 World Cup with Mexico. Big difference between U-17 and Olympics. Okay, Luis Fernando Tena, who won the gold medal in the Olympics. And, you know, I mean, he had, had an incredible career before that. It's not like he... Well, incredible. What do you want to go to Europe or you want to be, you know, a coach in Liga Mekis? So I, I will say, if you can go to Europe, go to Europe. But let's just not act that it's an immediate translation of success. Potro Gutierrez, who was U17, you know, World Cup champion, also U20, I think semifinalist, U23 Olympic coach. He's in, I believe, Guatemala right now coaching. So let's, let's a little caution in the wind here, okay? Jimmy Lozano, I hope he has a long and fruitful career. But it doesn't automatically translate to success. What I will say is, go. I hope he's one of these coaches like these players who should just go don't worry yeah. about these processes or about fulfilling some sort of dynasty you have to do first in mexico just go because better football is over there just go
Yeah, if I would love to see him in Europe. If there is a job in Mexico that seems like it, A, might fit him and B, might be open soon, it's Pumas. I mean, he, he's born of their academy. True. They're very, very bad right now. And by the way, they cannot score to save their lives. So if there's uh, something we saw from his team, it's they can absolutely play attacking football. I don't know. I could see Jimmy Lozano at Pumas. I don't know just if that would be the best thing for Jimmy Lozano. <laughs> that's, that's it right there. <laughs> right, Pumas yeah. doesn't have the money. They don't got the cheddar. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Uh, well, speaking of cheddar, it's going to take some cheddar to get some of these Mexican players over to Europe. But there are a lot, a lot of links between players who did well at the Olympic tournament for this Mexican team under Jaime Lozano, who may be moving Herc to the old continent. Let's start with Jorge Sanchez, defender for Club America, been linked with, among others, a Premier League move. I've seen Everton. So yeah. let's do this on a scale of 1 to 10. 1, he's not ready. 10, he's totally ready. How ready is Jorge Sanchez for a move to the Premier League? Six. And I don't think it has anything to do with his physical presence because he, I honestly think he's physically a very good player. So uh, what's he missing? If you've seen Jorge Sanchez early on in his career leading up to what he is today, his attention to detail, that focus, that concentration. I remember doing Campeones Cup Atlanta versus America and him getting schooled down the you know, left-hand side. He was playing as a left, set, or left back. Just easy plays. He should really know what to do, not managing the, the profiles or perfiles, as they, should, they say. Leading players down one way should lead them down the other. Just those attention to details he's still lacking. But I actually think he's a very good player. But hmm. the Premier League is a big step. Physically, emotionally, big step talent-wise. Uh, and also, listen, we have to, elephant in the room, who knows if he can actually get that work permit? Who knows if he's actually ready for that level? But a six, as far as body of work, I think it's a six. Hey, uh, if you think he's got problems defensively, who better to coach him up in that space than Rafa Benitez? If it is Everton, you know, you could see yeah. that uh, potentially making a lot of sense and a way for Jorge Sanchez to immediately improve uh, his game and his standing with the national team as he tries to break in as a real contributor uh, to the senior national team. Next on our list, Uriel Antuna, player who's actually heard already been in Europe. Of course, we know he's on the books at Manchester City, played for Groningen in the Dutch League. Now he's with Chivas. He's been linked to PSV on a scale of 1 to 10. How ready is Antuna for a move back to Holland? Eight. And I would love to see him in a league like Holland. Look, he's so vertical. He's so fast. He's so goal dangerous. He's already got senior international experience. He's got 21 games for L3. He scored eight goals and he's not a forward. This is a winger, but he's just so direct. He makes things happen. I would love to see him get tactically better and technically better in a league like Air the Eredivisie. I think he could make that jump. It's an eight for me, 23 years old. He's got a wealth of experience already at the senior national team level. I think it could be the next stepping stone in his career. I really do see him thriving in a league like the Eredivisie. Yeah, and it's a little revancha too, right? Like he's been there before. I mentioned he was with Groningen. He had a really yeah. horrible, horrible season there. Didn't score a goal in 20 appearances for them. I think he's got more to write in his story. We've seen him kind of rebuild, respark his career with the Galaxy. Obviously taking it to another level now with the Mexican Olympic team and some of the work that he's doing with Chivas. But this player's story started in Europe. I would like to see it get back to Europe um, at some point. Johan Vasquez. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. This is a player, uh, central defender, speaking. Speaking of Pumas, the one player for Pumas that's uh, really involved in the national team picture, albeit at the Olympic level. The latest link, him to Syria with Genoa. Um, Herc, is this player ready for a move to a top five league? One to ten? Eight. I love wow. Johan Vasquez, man. He's 22 years old. All the tools, a very good defensive league like Serie A. I love this move for him. Uh, he's only played twice for the senior national team, but as you saw in the Gold Cup, these center backs on that national team at that senior level maybe are mm -hmm. a step slower. Yep. Maybe need a little fire to their feet. Maybe need a little pressure put on them. And seeing a player like Johan Vasquez, and you could, you could say Pumas is a, a bad team, and I agree with you. But last season, for as bad as they were, they only gave up 12 goals. They were the second best defensive team, and Johan Vasquez is a huge part of that. So I would love to see him test himself at the next level. I don't need him to play another season at Liga Mekis at 22 mm -hmm. years of age. I think he's ready for the next step. If there's a position that I want to see Mexican players going to Europe, it is definitely in the center of defense. I mean, Johan Vasquez cannot get to Syria or anywhere else in Europe quick enough from my perspective. Another player is not so young 
not one of the underage players, one of the overage players, her from the Olympic tournament. Luis Romo, he's 26. He's been linked with a couple La Liga clubs, Celta de Vigo, the first that I saw. One to 10, how ready is Romo for a move from Liga Mekis to La Liga? Four. Why? To no fault of his own. Okay, you gotta explain it then. All right, he's 26 years old. Mm -hmm. He's the Liga Amekis MVP for the team that won the league title in Cruz Azul. Makes a lot of money, and certainly they're going to want a huge transfer fee. Do you remember the last 26-year-old that a Mexican club wanted to send to La Liga? Do you remember who that was? Who? Rodolfo Pizarro, and they wanted $20 million for him. That's the problem with the Mexican players in Liga Amekis, the clubs, the ownership okay. groups, las directivas. When they want to sell a player, you're going to really charge $20 million? to La Liga. He's 26 years old. He's an incredible talent, incredible two-way player. I rate him highly, but there's no way he's going. Not the price mm -hmm. tag that these Mexican clubs put in the world's market. To no fault of his own, he's a four. I agree with you to the most part. I'm just curious as to how the pandemic will change the economic realities for some <laughs> of these Mexican teams if it forces them to sell a little bit Hopefully. more, something we've talked about um, on this show. So you don't think Cruz Azul is going to be willing to sell Luis Romo. What about Club America? Are they going to be willing to part ways with Sebastián Córdoba? Because this kid had an incredible Olympic tournament. FIFA said he was one of the top five players in the tournament, and he's been linked with, among other teams, Real Betis. One to ten. Córdoba to Betis. Is he ready? What did I say, nine here? What did I say, sir? Nine? You so did you say, you got, I got nine. I got you a I nine. I got a nine. This guy, he led the league. You know, the league. He led the Olympic team in scoring four goals, not a forward. Led them in assist. Uh, a great two-way player. America has a track record of letting their players go to Europe. So they've established relationships with these top clubs around the world. Yes, he can go. He's already had caps with the senior national team. He's had a couple goals with the senior national team. He should be the next player to leave. He's 24 years of age. The time is now for Sebastián Córdoba. He's actually the one one player I think is most ready, most pedigree mm. ready. He's already done good things here in Liga Mac. He's good things at the U23 level. He's already shown glimpses at the senior national team level. The next thing is a big move, is a first team European move. I actually think this player can do very well. Even when he doesn't play well, he's getting goals and assists. He's showing up in ways that make you take notice. So yes, I think Sebastián Cordova is ready. I think we see the value here, maybe, of the Olympics as a platform to get that big move. This is a player that we've been seeing have success in Liga Mekis for quite some time. Now the links start to roll in. And, of course, the pipeline between America and Betis, well-established. Guido Rodriguez, Diego Linas have already made that trip. So, clearly, the two clubs very comfortable oh, doing business. you tell me he's going to take Linus' position at Betis? No, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. That would be... That would be horrible, horrible situation to, to have to choose between those two players. All right, last one on our list. We go from America to Chivas. Alexis Vega. I mean, it's probably between Cordoba and Vega, but I would actually give it to Vega as, as uh, Mexico's best player yeah. at the Olympics. Agreed. He's been linked uh, to Porto in Portugal. It's a different jump up, right, from Liga Mekis to the Portuguese League. On a scale of 1 to 10, how ready would Vega be for that move? He was the best player for the Mexican national team at the Olympics, and I'm gonna give him a four. So this is clearly a Chivas thing then? You just don't Absolutely think Absolutely 100% a Chivas thing. You know what's gonna happen? Alexis Vega is gonna be offered a new contract by Chivas, which he will sign, which will pay mm -hmm. him even more money than he makes. Chivas will put this crazy transfer fee on him, crazy price tag on him, and guess what's gonna happen? He's gonna end up, <laughs> he's gonna end up with the Colorado Rapids Don't or the Kansas it. City Woods. He's gonna end up in Major League Soccer. That's just what's gonna happen with Alexis Vega. It, it, I've already seen into my crystal ball, Alexis Vega to Major League Soccer because Chivas needs the money, because Chivas doesn't react in the world that's actually happening in the mm. global market. That's why, so he'll end up in Major League Soccer or something like that. Well, I think Porto would be a great fit if he can pull it off. You get Champions League football, and you obviously see the path that Mexican players have taken through Portugal to bigger and potentially, potentially better things. All right, let's move on to Liga Mekis. Florian Calvan, what a debut, Herc. And by what a debut, I mean what a disaster. Made his Liga Mex debut with Tigres. The World Cup winner did. Ooh. He didn't score. Ooh. He got red carded, and then he got booed at home. Arel Volcan in a 1-1 draw against Santos Laguna. You've had some you've had some good debuts in your day. Have you ever had a debut this bad, Herc? No. And I've seen very few debuts that bad. Um, let me tell you what's going on with, with 
Tigre is nowadays. They're an easy target because of all the success they've had Ooh. in the last decade. Teams, players, fans, they like to take shots at Tigres, but the fan base has also bought into this. So when everybody in, in Mexico is watching the Mexican Olympic team play, they're also paying attention to the French national team, the French Olympic team, because they've got André Pierre Gignac and Florian Tavon. Now, Florian did not have a good Olympic tournament. It was a terrible Olympic tournament. In reality, not good at all. Everybody in Mexico saw this. So these players who come to Tigres are expected big things out of them, especially if you're a World Cup winner, especially if you're following in the footsteps of André Pierre Gignac. So when you didn't produce in the Olympic tournament and you come in in your very first game against a team in close proximity to you, Santos, only a few hours away, Torreón, and you have this type of showing, Mm. This is the first time I've ever seen Tigre fans really boo somebody, really boo one of their own players, especially in a debut. Not an easy moment for him, but you should have thick skin. World Cup winner, you should know what you're signing up for, a highest paid player, one of the highest paid players right now, I should say, in the league. Uh, it's almost expected. Yeah, if there's a scale of French imports to Tigres, the good end is André Pierre Gignac, yeah. the bad end is Andy Delort. I think this start makes mm. you think Tavan may end up more in the uh, Andy Delort category. Andy Lord, who did uh, wonders last season uh, in Ligue 1, who had a very good season, but in his time in Mexico, struggled and struggled mightily. Yes, and that's, that's the thing. Everybody wants their European superstar. It's not just Tigres. I mean, you remember Jeremy Mene? You know, Americas? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Everybody don't wants one up, of those. Don't bring up the bad signings from America. Only Tigres on this show. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We go to Major League Soccer quite the weekend. We've got the good, the bad, and the ugly. Herc, the good. Inter-Miami, not a typo in the rundown. A late game winner from Indiana Vasilev in the 97th as they get a 2-1 victory over Nashville on Sunday. That is now four games unbeaten for Miami. Phil Neville afterwards says, when your DPs play like that, we will challenge for the playoff. Herc, are you buying it? Inter-Miami as playoff contenders? So you're telling me if Federico Higuain, Mat Blas Matuidi, and Rodolfo Pizarro play well, Inter is going to challenge for the playoffs. Do you know how many goals they've scored this season? Do you know, you know where they are in the pecking order for offensive in the, teams in the Eastern Conference? The East. They're the, the worst <laughs> offensive team in the East. They're the second worst in the league. Uh, no, I don't buy it. it. By the way, sometimes you need to hit rock bottom, Se Sebi, to actually start performing, to actually turn Turn a different page. Turn the leaf. And this is what happened. They got trounced at home versus New England. I mean, just a shellac. And they got booed by their own home fans. And then all of a sudden, signs of life. It's good. It's great. Uh, but you're, what, 12th in the East right now? Is that where yeah. they're at, Sebi? Let, let's, things in, in perspective. There's still a long ways to go. 12th in the East, Hurricane. Eight points uh, out of the last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. That, to me... Sounds like a lot of ground to make up, even if we are in August. I mean, I know there's still plenty of games to go, but what I would say here is you got your DPs playing well and you got a really good performance out of Rodolfo Pizarro in that game. That, to me, is a huge difference. We've dogged Pizarro before on this show, but if he can refine his form, then I will Then I will say Inter-Miami are, are contenders. Yeah, it's almost contingent on Rodolfo Pizarro, right? Because you know what you're going to get out of Higuain. If, if Gonzalo Higuain has opportunities in the box, more often than not, he's going to finish. And Blas Matuidi still has something in those legs. But the one who's really not shown us that level is Rodolfo Pizarro, at least this season. And he's probably been the biggest question mark for Phil Neville. So if he can change who he's been this season, maybe Inter have an outside chance. But man, you're, nothing is won in August. All right, if Inter-Miami aren't the bad then who is? Because they've been the bad for like 75% of our shows. Let's see, it is LAFC. Oh, you love this. Who lost to San Jose 2-1 uh, over the weekend. That is now five in a row without a win for Carlos Vela, Bob Bradley, and company. Herc, do you still have faith in LAFC? Earlier in the season, we could write it off. Ah, they don't have Carlos Vela. Well, now they got Craquelitos back, and things have not exactly turned around. 
No, but it's not just that they haven't exactly turned around, it's how they've not exactly turned around and who they're losing to or dropping points to. And you drop points to Vancouver, not a very good team. San Jose, not a very good team. You let Portland on the road, I mean, steal points from you in the 93rd minute. You let Minnesota at home in the 95th minute, Sebi, you were there, steal points from you. You know, at the Bank of California, it's the way you're losing these points. It's the way you're performing. At the beginning of the season, you could have said Carlos Vela, Diego Rossi, you know, not on the field. You could have said Brian Rodriguez, his situation. But it's one after the other. And usually, when this snowballs into this effect, something's going on. Now, do they think they're smarter than they are? We just need to move the pieces here. We just need to do that. We're sending players away. What's going on? I don't know. But something's going on in Los Angeles, and it's not the Galaxy. We're talking about LAFC, and that's surprising. Little too much movement when it comes to this roster midseason for me to be really comfortable and say I got faith yeah. in LAFC. They moved Corey Baird. They moved Mark Anthony K. Those are two, I mean, certainly with K, a really, really big piece of kind of who they are or who they've right. been in the past. Maybe they're trying to get what away from that. What about the goalkeeper position? The goalkeeper's always been an issue. Um, Eddie Segura's out for the season now with an ACL. That doesn't exactly help them in a position of, of intense need in, in defense. Sebastian Ibiaga is a player they're probably going to bring in from New York City FC. He could maybe be a replacement for depth on that back line. But the player we really have to wait on is a player they're going to bring in on TAM money from Colombia, Cristian Arango. I mean, I can't pretend to know too much about him. He's played for Millonarios, but he's the guy, Hurt. If he hits and hits quick, then I think LAFC could save this season. I think that's just a huge ask for a player coming in in the middle of the summer. You rarely see those guys really catch fire right away. Yeah, is he gonna be more Diego Rossi or is he gonna be more, you know, Andre Horta? We, we don't know, and that's a big difference for Los Angeles. All right, let's get to the ugly. It's not LAFC, it's not Inter-Miami, it is Austin. Austin hurt. Uh, so much buzz around this team, so much buzz, but so few goals. They lose two nothing to FC Dallas over the weekend. Now 12 of 17 games in which they have played, wow. Austin has been shut out. What is going on with this team? They don't have a nine. They don't have that guy you can depend on who's going to fight for, you know, goal-scoring titles in Major League Soccer. Cecilio Dominguez, he's a good false nine when he's played there. He can score a goal or two, but he's not the nine. Gallagher, he's not that nine either. Pochettino, definitely not. You need that marquee nine. Look, they... they done some very good things in their play and Joshua should be proud but you need to put the ball in the back of the net a team with Cecilio Dominguez as their first ever designated player struggling to score wow I am truly shocked all right in case you <laughs> missed it Herc hashtag play the kids has officially jumped the shark here all right MLS trying way too hard to be a selling league this is from FC Cincinnati against Orlando City we had a youngster his name was Zadek uh, who scrambled out onto the field. What are we reviewing here? Um, is mom a hero or does she actually deserve a call from the disciplinary committee? No, no, for no, a no, two -footed no, no, challenge no. Mom deserves her. all the props in the world. When your kids start walking, they run. And when they start yep. running, it's over. You can't keep a track of these kids. I, more power to her. You see how she went out there? It was a clean tackle, brought him mm -hmm. back in. No, that was harm, not a no clean foul. tackle. That was two feet from behind. No, 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 no. All ball. Got him. Good. <laughs> Brought him back. No harm, no foul. Exactly. No harm, no foul. Uh, glad to see uh, Zadek had a, a memorable visit to uh, the Cincinnati-Orlando City match. All right, MLS coming up on Sunday on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, of course, streaming live on the app as well. Atlanta United against LAFC. Coverage starts 4 p.m. Eastern time. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. CONCACAF Champions League this week as well. So a great week, Herc, for Liga Mekis and Major League Soccer. Let's bring that into our Book It segment, see if we can't continue the recent run of us making folks lots of money uh, in this segment. We'll pick some of these games. we got five of them total. We'll start with the uh, Hercules Gomez Bowl, Seattle against Tigres. What you taking? All right, Seattle with a bunch of injuries this season. Uh, I'm going to take Tigres to win with an under of three and a half goals, which gives you plus 170. Yes, listen, 
Seattle, a bunch of injuries. Tigres is going to take their second line. But look at the names on there. Uguayala, Diego Reyes, Leo Fernandez, Javier Aquino, Luis Quiñones, Florian Tobón, Viente Lopez, and Charlie Gonzalez. Still a very good team. Man, Seattle's not looking good. I'm taking Tigres in this one. Okay, so it looks like uh, we should have a Tigres win there, according to you, but maybe not the uh, most exciting game. Although the under, under plus, you know, that's a pretty high under. My game, Sporting Kansas City against Leon. I went Sporting Kansas City to win here, plus 205. Hurt, I just don't trust Leon. Am I crazy? You're not crazy. Leon doesn't trust Leon, so you're not crazy at all. They've been struggling. A lot of Jekyll and Hyde performance from them lately. You can't trust that team one bit. Plus, Sporting Kansas City playing well so far this season. I trust Peter Vermees. Also, that whole mid-season versus preseason thing that used to always play towards the advantage of Mexico teams now might play towards the advantage of the MLS side. New York City FC against Pumas in the League's Cup. Herc? I'm taking the over goal scored, 1.5 goal scored at plus 115 for New York City FC. This is just for New York City, not yeah, for yeah, the game. Pumas don't score, man. Pumas don't <laughs> score, and they're not very good defensively right now. Who knows if Johan Vasquez will play? And guess what? New York scores a lot. 32 goals scored in MLS play. One of the best in the league playing at home on that small confines field, that small sided field. I'll take City. Yeah, I'll take that. Sure. All right, we got some MLS teams, looks like, advancing then um, in the League's Cup. Let's switch over to CONCACAF. Oh, no, let's finish up the League's Cup, then we'll get to CCL last. Orlando City against Santos. Is this my pick? Yeah, this is my pick. I went over two and a half, Herc. I went over two and a half. I just see goals in this one. I see lots of them. Yeah, Almada, the way he plays with Santos and the way that... Pareja plays with Orlando. It's going to be an open game. I could definitely see a lot of goals scored in this game. I don't know who's going to win. I think it's going to be like probably a seven-goal you know, thriller, but definitely goals for sure. All right, so those are the uh, four League's Cup matches as we hit the quarterfinal round of the League Cup. Meanwhile, we're in the semifinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. First leg between Monterrey and Cruz Azul coming up. I've got this under two and a half goals scored in this game. Herc, this has nothing to do with Rayados. It has nothing to do with Cruz Azul. It's just a first leg. In a first leg between two Mexican teams, I am always, and I mean always, going to take the under. Well, it should have something to do with Rayados and Cruz Azul. Cruz Azul, the best defensive team last season versus Rayados, one of the top three defensive teams of uh, Liga MX play. So, yeah, I don't mind that bet one bit. All right, a few more things to note before we get out of here. Um, congratulations to the Canadian women's national team. They won the, the gold medal at the Olympics over the weekend, perhaps uh, taking that U.S. women's national team Canada rivalry um, up a notch. Also, we should note, since we just talked about Orlando City, we're going to have their new owner, also the new owner of Orlando Pride in the National Women's Soccer League, Mark Wilf, a sit-down interview with him on the next edition of Football Americas on Thursday. That's just 72 hours away. We will see you then right here on ESPN+. Plus. For Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. And Herc, what you wearing? Uh, it's my Mario Bolatelli. What you wearing? Oh, is that Club de Cuervos? Club de Cuervos. Is that a Nah, it's a small. It's a small.